Proverbs 28, 4 through 5 says, To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. At some point, obedience to the law means standing up to the wicked. And standing up even in violence. Imagine we didn't stand up to Hitler. And a lot of people throw that word, that name around these days. They throw around the word fascism these days. But it's funny, those who claim to be anti-fascist and claim to call others fascists, they're using the tactics of fascism. Because evil people don't understand justice. But those who follow the Lord understand completely. You want to know why justice isn't being served? Why justice is being perverted is because evil people don't understand it. And the people that claim to be carrying out justice these days are evil. There I said it. They don't like the things that are going on. They don't like the institutions and everything that are happening. And I'm not saying that there aren't bad instances, there aren't things that have to be fixed. But as a whole, they're being useful fools. Used for the gain of someone else. If you're crying out about racial inequality, I hear your cry. I'm not trying to belittle it. What I'm saying is, and I think even many have called it out, is are the changes that are being called for, are the changes that are even happening, really even addressing the problem, if the problem even exists the way you think it exists? Because a lot of these doctrines come from communism, and they filter their way down through the educational system into popular culture. And when the mob rules, and due process is ignored and even encouraged, when we don't go through the law anymore and the mob gets to have it say, the mob gets upset, the mob throws a temper tantrum. When cities burn, and they are, when the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, which is supposed to uphold the Constitution, execute the Constitution as it's written, and half of them say, at least half of them say, oh, it's a living document. It can mean whatever we want it to mean. And they're able to change a government without a vote. And we're tearing down statues. There, I said it. I'm not going to argue whether to keep a certain statue or not. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that not all statues are bad. Remembering history is good. If they truly were a wicked person, sure, tear it down. Maybe save it for antiquity if it has a purpose for that. But more importantly, you have the power to vote. Have you voted? You have the power to petition your city. Did you petition your city? No. You looted, you rioted, you graffitied, and you uh, tore things down in a fit of rage. If you tried all those other things and it didn't happen, then I kind of understand it. But when you don't go about the law the right way and then expect to go about and be lawless to get your will done, I will not stand with it. I will not respect it. Again, I'm not saying you don't have a plight. I'm not saying that injustice doesn't happen in certain institutions. I'm sure it does because men are wicked of all colors. But we're supposed to live in a representative republic. We're not a democracy, which is just akin to mob rule. And even worse, we don't live in a mob rule, but we are right now, and the government is allowing it to happen. The violent mob should not have a right to do anything. The violent mob is what killed Jesus, 
and God used it. But the mob, if they haven't first followed the laws in a place, should not be able to dictate what gets done in society. Because this is bigger than Confederate monuments. This is about overturning all of our society. If you just listen to what some of our politicians are saying and what they're truly saying and how they're uh, using this movement to their gain, they want to upend all of America, the entire economy. Why? Because they don't like the foundations. They hate the foundation of this country. They hate the things that this, the beliefs that this country was founded on. And Psalm 11.3 says, and I, yes, I'm angry and I'm flipping tables today. But if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? There's nothing I can do if the foundation of this country have upended. If the rule of law has changed, there's no court I can go to and expect justice. Because despite any failings of those who founded this country, whether or not they were true Christians or not, this country was generally founded on the Bible and its principles. This country and the laws and the Constitution, which has allowed for the abolition of slavery, which has allowed for women to vote, which has allowed for more equality and amendments and laws being changed to make things more right than they were before, it's allowed for greater personal freedom more personal health, more scientific advancement, more welfare for people and care for them. We are so rich in the society, even our homeless are richer than the people in most of the other world. And again, I'm not saying there doesn't need to be reform, that we couldn't do things, we can always do things better. But this nation has spread the gospel, I believe, more than any other nation in history, as a, a, an official... American thing. Missionaries gone out. And now we need it more than any other in history. We have abandoned it. Because we've abandoned God. We abandoned God in the church long ago. We abandoned Him in science, the very thing that He created. We've abandoned Him in the public square. Separation of church and state. It does not say that. It just says we will not endorse a religion. We've left Him in schools. We've taken prayer out of schools. And we've certainly taken God out of health care. And in that vacuum, because believe me, it's a vacuum. It's not a, a wonderful place. There's something that has to be filled there. There's a spiritual part that has to be filled. That there's a spiritual element that's filled in the place. And the things that even the most diehard atheists believe, despite their best argument, it's their spiritual belief. And now that this spiritual rot has permeated and even been endorsed by, quote-unquote, the church, we are rebuilding our entire society based on our new beliefs. And these new beliefs are wholly incompatible with the old beliefs. And whether we realize it or not, this is exactly what's happening in our country. Lord, open their eyes, and my eyes too, that we may see. We are not just a postmodern country. We are violently becoming post-Christian. Did you know that the Supreme Court decided recently that discrimination laws apply to uh, sexual choice, gender choice, etc., all of which are moral decisions, are moral choices, are moral standings. Even if you feel you don't have a choice in this, 
It's a moral issue. So do you know how this plays out? It's more than just not baking a cake. It's saying goodbye to Christian businesses, Christian schools, Christian churches who have employees, and all those who hire people will have to legally hire people who are clearly not following God. In the world, in a job, fine, whatever. It's the way the world is. It's the way Sodom is going. But in the church, heaven forbid. There should be no reason why, I mean, come to church all day long. Come to church, hear the gospel. All day long, come in. But I'm not going to employ someone. No matter what the belief is, if they don't believe the Bible, if they don't live it, I'm not going to employ them or let them be a part of the establishment. Now imagine at a Christian school, a teacher, someone who's completely immoral, is now going to corrupt children? Will all churches in these places have to become volunteer only? Will they be sued out of existence? Will it be simply grassroots? I've been kind of thinking this is what's going to happen for a while anyway. I think this is some of the Lord's been kind of showing me that the church is going to change drastically in America in the coming years if he doesn't come back. But you know what? I think it's going to make the real church grow deeper and the gospel truly be effective. And I know this in my own life because these times we are living in has only further put my hope and my home in heaven. Despite me living in my favorite state, in the, my favorite part of the country, my favorite part of the world, and I haven't seen the whole world yet, but all I do more and more when I read the news is cry, come Lord Jesus. But with that, do I stand around and go, yeah, you know what, just let it burn. I'm not going to vote because, you know what, it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming back. Just let, you know, we can hasten the day of the Lord by voting in a bad guy, so I'm going to vote. In. No, that's, that's absolute foolishness. And I've heard many Christians, even pastors, say this. I'm like, are you kidding me? You can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Do I want this country destroyed? No. Do I want my kids growing up a one-party dictatorship? Absolutely not. Especially if I can stop it. And even if I can't stop it, I'm not going to stand by and let it happen quietly. Because of course not. Because I love my kids, I love my country, and I love my neighbor. And whether they know it or not, I don't want them living under what I know will happen from their actions. Just like I'm going to tell them that your sin is wrong, whether they know it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they know the end is death or not, I don't want them living under it. Because no one in their right mind would ever want Hitler or Stalin or Castro to come to absolute power in their land if they knew what it truly meant. And none of them knew what it truly meant until it was too late and they were killed and they were imprisoned and their world was changed. And I don't think any believer in their country, in their right mind, would say, well, I'm going to heaven, so it's not a big deal. I mean, truly, you can kind of say that. You know, it's not really a big deal. You know, at the end of the day... There's no skin off my, well, maybe the skin off my back. I'm going to heaven. At the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm not, it's not my main concern. Like I said, I'm not going to go build a bunker and make an army. I mean, maybe one day, you know, you know I might have to. But the, the point is, is that my goal is the gospel. But even with that, it doesn't mean I'm going to tie my other hand behind my back and pretend it's not happening. Because we have every duty as believers to stand up for what? 
is right. Now I'm preaching this to the church because I feel like the church doesn't pay attention. And when the church pays attention, change happens. That's how this country was founded. This country, this country was founded by fleeing tyranny. And then we looked on at other tyrannical countries and we said, oh, I wish we were like them. And now we're worse than them and becoming worse than them. You know that the Supreme Court just turned over half of Oklahoma and its citizens to another government. Now, I have nothing against tribal government. I love Native Americans. I, I pray that I'll be able to minister to them somehow, someday. In fact, our license plates, in a tiny way, help support a ministry for Native Americans, and I love that. I love learning about the history and, and seeing things, and, you know, they weren't holy people. They weren't right, just like we weren't right, but I, I still think it's interesting to learn about people. I think that stuff always interests me. But I'm not going to argue whose land it was 200 years ago and was it right or wrong and was everything done right or wrong. Of course it wasn't done everything right. But what I'm arguing now is the law of the land is the Constitution. And the people living in Oklahoma are citizens of the United States and they chose to move or remain in Oklahoma under their currently elected officials, under their current elected governing body. In the cities and towns they are in, they did not choose to live on a reservation. Now they may and they may want to, I don't know if I don't know if I don't even know if you can do that without having uh, you know I don't know how that works unless you have some tribal connection. But now all of a sudden, under a snap decision from the highest court in the land, from a lawsuit, all their current government gets switched over. And I, I know it doesn't seem like much now, but wait until this starts to play out. It's going to be really interesting because something someone did hundreds of years ago. Now I'm not saying it shouldn't go back. Maybe it should. But you know what? It's got to go up for a vote. Imagine if they just gave Montana to Canada. Or they ceded Texas back to Mexico. Which, at this rate. But when the highest court in the land is about making a potential wrong from centuries ago right, I'm not saying it doesn't need to be righted in some way, but they're making it right through, quote-unquote right, through another wrong, that makes things worse. That does not fix a thing. And when you come out and say that certain lives matter over other lives matter, and I get, I get the cry, but the way it's being executed, the way it's being believed, is you're trading one supremacy for another, and you're committing the very acts that you claim to hate. And you know why? Because it's all this is about unforgiveness. All this is about everybody who's been wrong at some point in history, like, there's, there's no systematic stuff going on. I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. I didn't wrong you. You didn't wrong me. So why do you owe me anything? Why do I owe you anything? The truth is we don't. And God talks about generational sin. He says, I don't impute it to anyone. I'm not responsible for what my father did. I may bear the effects of it, but I'm not responsible for it. I don't have to make, I can't even make up for my own sin. How can I make up for his sin? And at that point, when does it stop? People claim, oh, it'll stop here, and then it doesn't. Oh, it'll stop here, and then it doesn't. Oh, they're not tearing down the founding fathers. Well, they're tearing down the founding fathers now. They even tore down statues of abolitionists. It's because you know what? All things are pure to those whose hearts are pure. If your heart isn't pure, 
you will see everything as wicked. And when the lawless hate the law enforcer, I have to wonder, is it not because you enjoy doing something wrong? Is there problems in your neighborhood because of the police? And maybe the police are not doing their job right and maybe they're fed up of having to deal with the, the amount of crime that they have to deal with day, day in and day out. So maybe, maybe it's not all about race. Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe it's about righteousness and what we value as a people. Because even the people that want to get rid of law enforcement when they took over part of Seattle had their own law enforcement who ended up killing people within days. And you know what? Say what you will about our current president, but he's the first one in history to go for the March of Life. I don't know his motive, and I don't really care his motive, political or not, because no other president you know, has gone. The fact that the office of president went to the March of Life to protect unborn children speaks volumes to me. And I would vote on that issue alone, whether he wanted to be there for political gain or not. May he get the political gain that he was there selfishly for, for standing up for what's right. But how on earth was he the first president to go? Something tells me he didn't care about the political backlash that other presidents cared about. Even when they claimed to be Christians, claimed to be a certain way, they didn't live that way. And I'm going to try and get through the end of the message quickly here. Thank you for staying with me if you have. But the political divide in this country is very deep. It's, it's been deepening since I was a kid. I mean, through all history, obviously, it's been deepening. That's the way politics works. It's only going to dig deeper and deeper, especially without God. But I believe it's far beyond repair at this point. Without a revival, without people turning to Jesus, this country is not going to be fixed. And the worst part is, even if we do, I don't believe it'll be fixed. I believe we passed the point of no return, and God's judgment is on America. And I believe there's evidence in this, is that one side truly says what is wrong is right, what is good is evil, and the other side says the complete opposite. And Mark 3.24 says, Jesus says, If a kingdom divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. I love that part. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man and then he plunders his house. That's right, someone's got to come in and bind me, and I sleep pretty heavily, so they might not have a hard time doing that. But they're going to have to get through me to get to anything else. And they're going to have to get through me to get to the church or to get to my country, to get to my neighbor. And we saw the enemy divide the home in America, divorce, putting off marriage, kids outside of marriage, kids with same gender parents, etc., etc. The enemy has divided and conquered the home in America. We see that in the poor neighborhoods where uh, 70 something percent of African American babies are born without a father in the home. That is the tragedy. We see America divided. We see that the church was separated from society. And literally after that, all hell has broken loose. We see Satan divided. You know, he seems pretty united in the world right now. 
But as we're in Revelation, and we looked at other areas of Scripture that talk about the same time period, it reveals how his one world kingdom will be divided. Kings will rise up against him, the Antichrist. They will assassinate him. There'll be a false resurrection. And ultimately, thankfully, a quick defeat by the Lord at the end. But our country is falling. And much like Rome before it, it will not fall from an enemy without, but the enemy within, from the rot within, and not from terrorism, like we thought it might be. Although I believe 2001 is a strong spiritual significance, I could go on a rant about that. And how it's like this whole cosmic stars are aligned sort of thing, the way that our country has been invaded by different ideologies since then. It was a very pivotal day in our history, I believe. We kind of went from the end of the, our golden age until now. But most democracies last 200, 300 years at most. You know, again, we're a representative republic, and democracy is kind of a bad word. But our 250th birthday is in 2026. And will we even survive? Will it even be recognizable to the founding fathers? And there is a fast slide towards accepting and promoting and enforcing evil as the law in the land as every second passes. There is no political middle ground anymore. We can't even talk about it anymore. We are marching toward a one-party system. You think D.C., you know, they're trying to make Washington, D.C. a state now? Why now, above any other time? It's because they want to disrupt the Electoral College. It's for the votes. They want to give non-citizens the right to vote now, three months before an election. Why should someone who is not a citizen have a right to vote? Just because I go work in Ireland doesn't mean I should have any say over Ireland. Let me become a citizen there. Because you know what? The things that they vote for... They can just go back to their home country if they don't like the way it plays out. Us, we have to deal with it. And the irony is, a lot of people are here illegally, and from my logical look, they are fleeing their own governmental, economic, and criminal tyranny. If I was, in, if I was from Mexico, and I was living in cartel-controlled land, you better believe I'd want to become an American. So I get wanting to get out of that. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. Even more so, how did you let your country become that way? I'm not saying I have the answers, that it's easy to stand up, especially now. At some point, you can't stand up to it anymore because it's so powerful and you have to flee. I get that. Jesus even tells them to do that when they see the abomination of desolation. He says, just get out. <laughs> there's nothing you can do at that point. But Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. I know I've quoted this a lot, but it's so good and we need to know it. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, who take away justice from a righteous man, who justify the wicked for a bribe. So their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like the dust because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's why all this is happening. We've rejected God's law. And if we rejected God's law, all other law is fair game. So tell me this, you wise one, how a mob can threaten and surround a home and a mob that's marching under the same banner and same flag, where elsewhere it's burned down places, it's caused personal property, it's hurt people and even killed people, 
And those homeowners who simply defend their home and get out their guns and stand on the front porch and say, don't come on our land, when they have castle doctrine, they are allowed legally to defend their home, the mob goes free, and their house gets raided by the police. Tell me why. Well, you don't have to. I know why. Because the city is afraid of the mob, and the city wants to prevent further damage to the city, so they will gladly sacrifice the righteous to appease the mob. And when you and I can no longer expect fair trial, I mean, you and I would be guilty in the media long before we even get arrested. How can we have any faith in our government that wants and does strip us of our rights? And I believe I've used, I'm not even 501c3, but I believe I've well passed my 5% political speech for a church. But here's my final point. And it's not a political one. And all these political points I've just brought up to try and give us a practical touch point to see what's going on in our world and why it's going on. And this is the final point. And I believe it's very fitting because we're currently studying Revelation. That this is exactly what the Antichrist will do. We're building up to this crescendo, this final world government with Antichrist. These are all the things that he's going to be about, guys. These are all the things that the end world government is going to be for. Daniel 7.25, part of it says, And he, the Antichrist, shall intend to change times and law. What are we doing right now? We're changing history. We're changing law. We're doing it because we hate the Holy One of Israel and His commandments. And so will He. And He will probably put it all to Himself. But even look now, we don't even say, like when I was growing up, A.D. and B.C., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, or before Christ, for the years before Christ, We've changed it to now CE and BCE, common era and before common era, because we can't, we can't talk about God. We can't let Jesus be the center of our history. No, that, it's, not, it's not inclusive. It's not global. It's not scientific. He's just some guy. No, he's not. He is God of all creation. And I can't wait till he changes the time again. But we're changing the laws and the fundamental principles of our land and the entire world right now. And you know what? The entire world is on board. Every society, at least those in power, you know, there are popular revolts against it. But this only further highlights 1 John 5.19, when John says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And since we've removed God and don't believe in him, we don't trust him, we curse him, we reject him. There's only one other person that we're going to be under the sway of. And without God, we can't resist. Without God, we, instead, we will embrace slavery of the enemy. And we're all becoming slaves to a sin. And the enemy doesn't even have to disguise it as different things anymore. There were different ideologies, different religions. But now, because it's the end, it's all coming together under one ideology. And it's clear by the day. The enemy doesn't even wear that disguise. He still disguises himself as an angel of light, like we talked about, as enlightenment, or in the modern vernacular, being woke. You think you're enlightened. You think you woke up to the truth. But instead, you've fallen asleep. You've been deceived and enslaved more than ever in history. 
He's twisting things that matter. Choice, freedom, not oppressing someone, all good things. But he's using those to do the very things to those who blindly follow him. And sadly, even the church goes along with this. And what church is that? The Laodicean church. The lukewarm church. God bless you. Hosea 4, 6a. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I don't want anyone listening to this to be destroyed. So you can't say that I didn't tell you. I didn't warn you. Whether you believe me or not, it's a different story. Whether you believe the Bible, it's not a different story. Whether I've got my political head on right, neither here nor there. I, hope, I just want my Bible head on right. At some point, my Bible head will be on so right, they may cut off my Bible head. And the church these days doesn't spend much time in the Word, doesn't believe the Word when they do, and instead is wrapped up in their feelings, is wrapped up in what we think love is, and what television has told us what love is, and that what the whole world is standing for, they stand up with them. But it's twisted. As we close here, a couple more verses. 1 John 2.18 Children, this is the last hour. And just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. For this we know that it is the last hour. All these things happening may just be the end of America and not quite the end of the world yet. But it's all leading up to that. Because the Antichrist ain't going to be all to do his thing while a country that stands up for God and righteousness is around because we wouldn't fall for it. 1 John 4, 3, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. When the whole world is going one direction, you know it's not the spirit of God. Not until he comes back. Not until the millennial kingdom. Not until the new heavens and new earth. The whole world is going one direction now. It's the direction of the wicked one. So believer and unbeliever, if you hear the call of God in this message, go where the Spirit of God is leading you. To the cross. To the world. By His Word. Not by a politician's Word or a celebrity's Word or your favorite musician's Word or a political movement's Word. Learn from the Bible. Learn from history. Because otherwise we're doomed to repeat it instead of being destined to be safe from it. America was safe from tyranny for several hundred years. We are protected. And we even brought that safety to other countries. But now we're not even safe from it in our own land. And John 3 eight says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Romans 8.14 For as many as are led by the Spirit of God these are the sons of God. And in this last day if you're listening and you're not a child of God you're not, just because you're alive doesn't mean you're a child of God it means you're made in His image but if you know that the world's going crazy you know that you're being oppressed in more ways than one you feel like a slave to your sin and even then you just know that the truth is out there Know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And coming to him brings you to the Father, brings you to heaven, brings you to real freedom that no political movement will ever get you. As great as America was and our freedoms were, it's nothing compared to the gospel. Because in the gospel, we are free from tyranny, even if we're in chains for it. So that's you. 
All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Because if you believe it, you're going to say it. That's why so many people are speaking up these days, because they believe it, whether it's right or wrong. So if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, He forgave you of all the wrong you did, and whether you understand it or not, it's not the point. And you want to go to heaven, and you believe He's God. Just say it. Say it with me. Jesus, I believe you. I don't know it all yet, but I know that you're the truth. And you're the way. And I need your life. Please forgive my sin. Please make me clean. Please give me strength. Help me go on. Be my God. Thank you for loving me. Help me read the Bible and trust you until you come back. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer... You're safe. You're going to heaven. If you prayed something like it, just trust Him. God, we thank You for Your Word, that we have Your Word. May we always cherish it. We pray for those who do live in countries where they can't even own Your Word. They will go to prison for having a page of the Bible. Get more Bibles in there. Get Your Word out supernaturally there. Give them strength. Let them not sit down. Let them worship You in spirit and truth. And God, help us do the same. Help us stand up for what's right. God, may you bring revival in our land. And if possible, God, turn your judgment away from you. You turned your judgment away from uh, Nineveh when they repented. But God, we've had greater prophets. We've had your son, and we haven't. We've rejected. So God, have mercy on us, we pray, and come back soon. We look forward to going to heaven. So bless all those who have listened so long. And uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God bless you and keep you, and his face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord, there is a vineyard for our soul, with all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until